Welcome back to the HowDoIRepent.org podcast, an opportunity to engage with uh, like-minded individuals. You know, we're on a journey. We are just three guys that uh, love to discuss the things of God, how it applies to us, putting it into perspective, changing perspective. It's just really an exciting time to just walk this out. You know, the Bible talks about walking our journey out with fear and trembling and, you know, getting together with these men uh, and it is, is just a phenomenal opportunity to consider uh, some things and then also, uh, you know, maybe disregard some things. It's been an incredible journey so far, and we are just excited to have you on board today. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. This is the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. All right, family, so today I am joined yet once again by my incredible brother, my incredible friend, Mr. Dan. Uh, so great to see you, buddy. It's been a little while, but, you know, how you been? Hey, doing good. How you doing, Mike? I, I couldn't be better, man. I am excited. I'm, I, I always am so just pumped up, buddy, to be a part of what, what God is doing and having a conversation okay. with you. It's always so exciting. I always take so much away and uh, and really uh, just a good time. And today, my friends, my family, we are joined by an incredible man, somebody who I've known for quite some time and who is on this same journey, this journey of discovery of truth. And his name is Scott. And Scott, welcome to the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. It is such an honor to have you here this morning. Well, hey, Mike. Hi, Dan. It's uh, Hi, listeners. It's a pleasure to be with you guys today. As Mike and Dan noted, I've known both of these gentlemen for or for years. It's it's been a while since since Mike and I have had a chance to sit down uh, and talk. Um, Dan and I talk about once a week or so generally. It's it's just been a pleasure to walk this journey with you guys. I've been listening to the podcast. I'm a visitor to the website and the repentance process, the journey that you guys have been on, um, and it's just a uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity and pleasure to be with you guys this morning. Right on, brother. So, so Scott, before we begin, I just wanted to kind of hear a little bit uh, from you and uh, just fill us in, like, you know, where you come from, uh, you know, uh, kind of just telling our family that is listening, our listening audience, you know, who you are uh, and kind of a little bit about your journey um, and where you feel as though you're going during this journey. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Um, I was born and raised in the church. You know, I was dedicated in an Assemblies of God church um, at the age of six months old. Um, I was raised in a traditional evangelical Assemblies of God home uh, by godly parents, godly grandparents. Um, I've got many aunts and uncles that are pastors. My older brother is a, is a senior pastor. And, and I was born and raised in the church. And about seven years or so ago, I was introduced um, by Dan um, to study scripture, um, the Old Testament, the Torah, the Tanakh, from Jewish perspective, um, these are Hebrew scriptures, and it has. I can't overestimate the the, the power and the uh, the importance that this has had on my spiritual trajectory. Um, it's totally has changed the course of my life. You know, I, I had been through three and a half years of ministry school, and I was one class away from seeking licensure licensure within the Assemblies of God um, to be a, an ordained minister myself. And when I found the Hebrew Jewish perspective of scripture, I kind of felt the Lord pull back the reins just a little bit and say, Let, let's let's talk. Let, let's step back and let's let's um, relearn some of the things that you have learned. And I tell you, these last seven years has just been a wonderful uh, season of growth in my life personally. 
That's incredible, brother. And yeah, we definitely uh, are excited and honored to be on that journey with you. And my friends, this is what it's about. You know, we're taking steps. We're trying to understand, you know, there are a lot of, of quote unquote truths out there. And we don't, we don't uh, sit here and, and project that we have all truth. We are just working this out with fear and trembling. And, uh, and what a great crew that we have to walk this out with. Scott, I hope that you can be a, a continuous, uh, you know, uh, voice in this program because I know that you bring a lot to the table. So I thank you for that. So we want to jump in today, uh, Dan, with what does God require of us? We've gone down through, you know, what does it mean to accept Jesus? And if you haven't listened to those podcasts, I invite you to go back and, uh, and dive in to accepting Jesus, the unbegotten God. Uh, what is sin? What is repentance? Uh, how does Jesus' death atone for my sin and the importance of prayer, understanding the kingdom of God, just really great conversations amongst friends, working this out, seeking God, asking and knocking. So today, what does God require of us? Dan, let's let's jump into that. This seems more of a, an applicable approach. All of the information is incredible. Discovery of God is incredible, but I always love it. What does this look like to me on a practical level? What does God require of me? I think the best scripture to go to in the Bible for the answer to this question is in Micah six eight. You know, this is this is something that I that I actually have as a reminder on my phone. It comes up every Sunday, <laughs> you know, because it's really good to look at this. And you know, mm. it, it says he he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, when looking at this, there, there's three things. Micah makes it really simple here. You know, that we're to act, you know, use justice and to love mercy and walk humbly. And, you know, I just want to kind of start at the backside of that where it says walk humbly. Cause there for a couple of years, I was literally trying to understand this because it, it, it seems so simple. <laughs> and, you know, but just looking at, you know, taking like starting with, you know, to walk humbly. There's a, when we come to understand God's will, when we understand his instructions, we start understanding the scriptures, we're to walk humbly with what we understand and what we know. And that, and it, there's a, there's a way, there's a approach that we can be humble towards others, you know, where we're not trying to, um, you know, beat everybody up with understanding and trying to force them to say, Hey, why don't you understand this? You know, or, you know, from that angle. But the other side is I like, how the rabbis talk about Moses being the most humble. It actually says that in the Torah. And, you know, one of the things that he did, he was, you know, just looking at it from God's view and looking at it and saying, how does this protect God? How does this watch out for his ways? How, how, how am I, how is he doing his part to help further the kingdom of God? Right. So he's, he's more looking out, like you said, he's protective of that and, and the vision and what God had mandated for the world. So he's essentially, you know, his humility allows him to not supersede that. So essentially he's, he's submitting to God, his rulership, his kingship. Uh, but he's also not allowing his own version of truth or his own vision or his own, you know, forward progression to, to Trump, to, you know, cast a shadow on what God had intended. You know, humility is a big thing, man. Cause you talk about pride, the contrast, you know, really leads us into a really horrible place is, 
is saying that I, I own the truth. I have all, I, I know the direction to go. When really saying, you know, this humble approach, and we go back to Second Chronicles 7.14, you know, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, repent, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land. There's some power in humility. And really, I mean, it calls us what, you know, the daily approach of living a humble life and really walking in that humility to not be so far out in front of God or even subverting the will of God. Uh, we're going to see the kingdom advance and the kingdom progress. There's such an understanding, a viewpoint of, of Jesus in the traditional Christian church where we kind of look at Jesus as this ultimate lawbreaker or this ultimate rebel, um, this person that came and just preached love and forgiveness when, no, he was about his father's will. He, there, there's a framework, and you guys have talked about this in prior episodes, right, where when we understand the framework of the Messiah from the Torah, and, and we realize that there are there's a fence, there's a boundary that Jesus had to operate within, and it, whenever he steps outside of that boundary, it's it's a sin according to Torah, and he's disqualified as Messiah, right? So, so him submitting to his father's will is the ultimate humility. I mean, I mean, this guy was the Messiah, right? He didn't, but yet he he submitted to his father's will. How much, how much with more of that, the, you know, and I've always kind of thought of that. Uh, that's a great point, Scott. You know, you have the Messiah who has that connection with, with the Father. He's doing all these incredible things, and yet he still submits to the Father. I mean, what a great point. You know, I, I can't see, you know, my own life, if I, if I you know, had these, these amazing connections and, and you know, really, um, you know, walking in that power, uh, that I would be the same person. But that's that's where, you know, humility is such a great point. But jumping back into, we see mercy. What Dan, what does that look like? What is what is mercy in this context? Well, this is, first real quick, in Deuteronomy 18, it, Moses said that God was going to raise up somebody just like Moses. So, I mean, it's really good to tie Moses right back to Jesus because that's exactly where we want to go. And, you know, looking at it from this merciful side, you know, there, there's a couple different ways to look at this, but one one way I want to look at it is let's look at how mercy is applied to the Torah. So if you use Jesus in the example where the woman was caught in adultery and he used the law, and the law says you have to have two qualified witnesses. Right. And so what he did, he used the Torah as a way to show mercy towards, you know, this woman caught in adultery. Now, it doesn't even mention the guy, but, I mean, the, we know there's a guy there. And the, and the thing is, if the guy's caught in it, he, he's under the same uh, penalty. And the accusers, the people the, the people who found, you know, who basically saw this act happen, they would be the ones that would have to stone him. So they're bringing him to Jesus and saying, um, hey, we got to stone this woman, you know. And, and he says, he was like, do we have two qualified witnesses? And he was saying, you who are qualified, go ahead and, you know, Go ahead and, and hand out this judgment. Sure, but even you know, even with mercy, Dan, along those lines, you know, I've I've read and, and studied and and was you know trying to understand the the courts that you know even you know the the physical courts, the the Sadducees, you have the Pharisees, you have you know the heavenly courts. Isn't it isn't it the custom to try and find any and all ways to exonerate people? Don't don't they take you know it, the the you know, the thought is, well, you know, you have the Torah and it's the law and they're going to throw it at you and, and you're going to be, you're going to die and be stoned. Or you're going to be sent to hell and, you know, all this stuff. But isn't it the, tr isn't it kind of, you know, it's my understanding that 
you know, essentially they look at any and all ways to be able to exonerate you. It's right. a and fucking that, mercy. Yeah, and that and that Jesus gave a great example of that. And that that was more of the common way that I think the Sanhedrin uh, rule. They they didn't you know they weren't about killing everybody. They right. they actually try to find a way to show mercy. Well, so even even with with God in the wilderness, and we talk, you know, I hear stories and I hear people talk. Well, you know, if God is so loving, then why did He eradicate this group of this group of people? But really, don't understand that a merciful God, who is the you know the same yesterday, today, and forever, has given them that opportunity to repent. Has given them that opportunity to turn away. Has given us the opportunity. That's why we're so vocal on repentance. But there comes a time where the judgment will have to be sent, you know, the sentencing will have to be kept, you know, put down and you're going to have to pay the penalty. They had to pay the penalty. You know, we look at Sodom and Gomorrah. We look at all of these stories that kind of come up as a, you know, God isn't as merciful as you think he is, really is an act of mercy on behalf of God. You know, I think about those wilderness experiences, those wilderness years for Israel. And, and the Bible says that those wilderness years were some of the closest that the nation was ever to God. Um, you know, despite their circumstances, their tough circumstances, that's when they had to really rely on God, you know, for their, their the manna, the, the meat, you know, the daily provision in their lives. Um, you know, when I think of mercy, Deuteronomy 431 comes to mind for the Lord, your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant he made with your fathers. You know, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, right? It's the rod of correction that keeps us on the straight and narrow path. Correction in our life from a merciful God it is mercy. That's that's how we, that's how he disciplines us. Discipline from our Heavenly Father is mercy. You know, I was going to ask you, it looks, it looks a little bit different, right? I mean, we have this idea of what mercy looks like in our context. But really, if you look at God's mercy, you're exactly right. A father's discipline could be the most rewarding most, uh, uh, you know, the, the biggest impact in your life are those moments where you are confronted and you start to change course and move in a different direction. You know, mercy is seen a little bit different in some of the some of the scriptures that we read. So, you know, coupled with justice, um, justice in this context, we talk about the heavenly courts. But as we as we seek justice, love, mercy and walk humbly, what could we say justice in our own lives? You know, as we live our day to day. Well, justice is is applying God's system, his, his, his instructions in our life and doing it properly. We, we first have to understand God's commandments. You know, what, what he requires of man or requires of a woman or requires of a king or requires of a Jewish person or requires of a um, non-Jewish person. And once you understand that, you can you can basically apply God's justice and walk in that. You know, so this comes back, there's, there's this time where we have to learn God's, his instructions, and then we, we have to apply them. And as we apply them, you know, we can walk in mercy. I mean, the, the other side of mercy is, is showing kindness towards others. Let's just look at it. the, the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and if you go to that scripture in Leviticus, it talks about you, reason with your neighbor to understand you you've got to be at this point where you're you're in a same level of understanding where you can work through this so you're you know and i'm not saying with somebody who's a, a rapist or a murderer or something i'm not talking about that neighbor i'm talking about just the neighbor that you're in daily you know work your family just the people around you 
you're you're able to reason through them. You're not overbearing. You're not you know you're not trying to be too dogmatic in your approach, but you're you're working through it. Sure. You're, you're applying this justice system. You're showing mercy in it. You know you're you're walking walking it out. You're you're being kind, and you know at the other side of it, you're walking humbly in what you understand. That's where the change is made, right? I had a great conversation with a really good friend today, and we were talking about you know, the idea of, you know, how, how we can make an impact in this world, how we can, you know, show the love of God. And, you know, we got into, you know, some of the different, um, I would say, sins that are prevalent in our society today. And really what it came back to is exactly what you're saying. You know, God is the one who makes the difference. God is the one who, as we connect to the vine, you know, what he wants to do is power and his presence flow through you uh, and, and are able to impact. There's fruit that has grown because of, you know, you taking the stance of seeking justice, walking humbly. You know, how can God use you if, you know, you can have the greatest intention in the world, but unless your your character, unless your your actions align with, you know, what we are reading right here in the scripture Really, it's it's not really something that's producing fruit that will lead to eternal life. So what does that bring us back to is really we have this idea of being so heavenly minded. We're no earthly good. Well, I'm just going to leave. We're going to go away and God's going to take care of the rest somehow. And but what we really want to show here is, is that right now, today, you have the opportunity to make an impact with your life, causing a ripple effect. And where does it start? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with repentance. It starts with walking humbly, you know, not, not wanting to fight against the process that God has laid out. Because I, I'm telling you right now, my friends, that the product, what is produced, this eternal life fruit that people will want to come back and partake, people will want to engage. And if we're walking with this, you know, we might have justice, we might have mercy, but if there's no humility or we might have, you know, humility and mercy, but no justice, it really does create an opportunity for disdain and hurt. And, and really we're not telling anybody to just bow and kowtow to, to the people in your life that are living in sin. But I'll tell you what, we look at the, the life of Jesus Christ. And how he engaged and what were his responses, it really is the model of how we are supposed to live and how we are supposed to take next steps. Um, you know, Dan, we went back to, I want to go back to day 22 on the HowDoIRepent.org. And, and you know, what I was just talking about was the, the need to search within yourself um, and, and really decide that you're going to take this journey and that you want to live correct. You want to live according to, you know, God's standard. And so, you know, really it starts that, that humble portion of it brings about confession. It brings it, it, you start that process. So I wanted to kind of dive into that and how your soul can, can be healed through the process so that you can seek justice, love mercy and walk humbly before your God. Can we, can we go back to that real quick? Let's just look at the soul for a minute. Um, with, without going into a lot of detail on the soul, there, there's a lot of commentary from, there's a lot to learn from a Jewish perspective on the soul. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we touched a little bit about it on the website, but I just want to give a thought. You know, we, we, a lot of us will say, Hey, I have Jesus in my heart and we may not really understand why would we say that we have a soul that's connected to God. Uh, it's inside of each one of us. 
And I think from a Christian perspective, that's a pretty simple thing. We're all like, okay, hey, yeah, I, I believe that. What What's a little different, just kind of give a different perspective here, when when you have a soul, let's say there's a soul of Dan, and then there's the soul of Mike, and then there's the soul of Scott. Each one of us have our own soul. But when we're connected, like right now, I mean, we're friends. All of us are friends. So there's a there's a portion of Mike's soul inside of Dan's soul. And there's a portion of Scott's soul inside of Dan's soul. So each of us have a portion of our soul in each other. That's how God created this world. We're, that's how we connect. Um, that's how we influence each other. If I If I repent of something in my life and I become better, well, it impacts the soul of Mike and it impacts the soul of Scott. It impacts everybody who's in, in, tied with me. Well, m- the soul of my wife is greater inside of my soul because we have a closer, different kind of connection. It's the same with family members. Family members will have a deeper part of their soul in you. So we're connected. So we, if we can just get that concept and we understand that is how this world is operating. God is using us to impact others. We can impact others in a good way, or we can impact others in a bad way. So if you think about, if you look at the Bible and you look through like Second Chronicles, it's given the history of the kings. Well, you'll see a good king come along, and it impacts everybody. And then you see a bad king come along, and it impacts everybody. And I mean, it's just kind of going back and forth. Well, even if we look in our, in the last hundred years, there was Hitler. Hitler impacted everybody in a bad way. It's still impacting us. So a person's soul can really make this world better or it can make it worse. Okay. So if we're looking at it from the perspective of how is Jesus in my heart? Well, Jesus came to this world and he gave the message and he started this process and his apostles, you know, had a portion of his soul. And that's where, you know, and, and, and everybody, if, if I'm seeking to understand Jesus and I'm following his ways, I'm connecting to him and a portion of his soul is becoming a part of my soul and a portion of my soul is becoming a part of his. It makes very good sense when you sit there and you hear Jesus say, many people will come to me on that day and he said, I never knew you. You're looking at this from Jesus being humble. He's looking at it from God's perspective. He's looking at this whole world like everything needs to fall in line with God's commandments. If somebody is not following or seeking that and they're saying, I'm seeking Jesus, they're going to come to him on that day. And if you miss the whole part of understanding God's instructions, he's going to be like, depart from me, you who are lawless. You didn't follow the, you didn't follow instructions. So that, that's just an important understanding of how we we're connecting to his soul. Well, we're doing that with each other. So as I am working through something in my life, to better, it's impacting in a positive way everybody who's connected with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. You know, the visual that comes to my mind is the tree of life. You know, yeah, and and also the vine. When we talk about the vine, he says those who, you know, aren't aren't producing that fruit, they're going to be chopped off and thrown away. You know, it's it really yeah. does it really does uh, build this kind of infrastructure for the kingdom. And then you know comes in national repentance and what what repentance can do. National repentance can bring. Uh, um, uh, vibrancy and it can bring life back into the process. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. We were talking about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, Dan, yeah. and it really did hit me hard. You know, you can look at it in your own lives and say, you know, my actions are directly impacting those of my family. My spiritual status is directly impacting those of my family. And when you are seeking and you are knocking, you are asking, you are, your intent uh, is to know God and to follow his ways 
you know, even in my, my own life with my wife and my kids, you know, really going down this journey of the Sabbath and really understanding and, and, and applying those things, I didn't have to browbeat. It was in response to the fruit that was being created through that connection with God that she decided to partake of. And it really was an incredible process that unfolded that now my children uh, who uh, daily have these, you know, the world is battling against them and pulling them in, but they really found solace and they really found uh, that fruit that nourished them uh, came through simply looking inward and making those corrections. So I, I totally agree with that. There is such an incredible uh, idea or, or mental picture of being connected like a vine and then ultimately to the source. And uh, that really motivates me, man. Yeah, well, just something that you hit on going back to the humility uh, and something that you just said there, Mike, was, you know, she decided there was a whole process, you know, speaking about your wife, she decided to step into those things. You know, there, there's a whole lot of maybe weeks, months, maybe even years of her having self-introspection to be able to make that decision to step into that. And I think that really speaks to the humility aspect of what we're talking about here. You know, me coming back to someone that was born and raised in the church from six months old, I sat through years and years of preaching and years and years of Sunday school before I ever myself opened up a Bible and to begin to explore what the Bible is really speaking, right? So basically, I'm just re regurgitating what had been given to me or talked to me. And, and you're standing on teaching that had been given to you, right? But this this aspect of humility is really reexamining the scripture and saying, hey, is this really what the scripture is saying? Is this really what God is speaking? You know, we, we are clay. And when you think about humility, I've got to be moldable. I want to be a piece of clay that my father can take into his hands and mold me into who I want to be. If you've ever picked up clay that that's old and that's dry, you can't mold it. You can't shape it. It, it won't. You can work with it. It's, it's unworkable. It's unworkable. But that humility aspect is bringing that moisture back into the clay to be able to make us moldable in the hands of our father. That is such a great, great analogy, brother. I love that. I feel like crusty clay sometimes. <laughs> That's where, you know, you come back into repentance. You're, you're exactly right. You're adding back in those, those tenants and it really does make you moldable again. Those things that are said to you are, you know, impactful and for your good. You know, you start to apply these things in humility and you start to really see some, some great forward movement. So, so what is the outcome if we decide, you know, to oppose this? What, what, and I, and I want to really get to the part of, you know, living a sinful life and, you know, maybe seeking justice, but not having the other two, or maybe, you know, not having any of them and saying, this is who I am, deal with it. You know, what, what are the negative outcomes to this? And are there any positive outcomes to this? Well, there's consequences. There's always consequences for missing, you know, the mark. Basically, I mean, that's the whole thing with sin. We're going through this life and really we need to look at this life as this is an, this is an opportunity for us to perfect our character, perfect our walk with God. It's a time we, we get to know God through all of our circumstances. We all have desires in us. You know, we, we have these desires. Some of them are godly. Some of them are worldly. You know, it's not that the desires are ours. They're just a part of us in this whole, configuration that god made us but we have we are we have a choice to respond to that desire so let's just say 
you know, I just, most people in general, something that always comes up in conversations is, and with guys is that, they, well, even from women too, I guess they, they always have, you know, sexual desires that are bad. Well, the desire is not them. It's just in them because they're in this world, but it's how they respond to that sexual desire. God has an order and he's going to hold us accountable to that order. And there's a consequence for missing it. You know, we could, let's just use another example. If, uh, let's say I have hatred, you know, that hatred, because sometimes, you know, you'll be driving on the road and all of a sudden anger comes up because somebody's just being stupid and they're driving and they, you know, you disagree <laughs> with the way they're driving and they disagree with the way you do. Next thing you know, you get, well, you've lived in Florida, right? I mean, you know, that's yeah. true. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of crazy out there sometimes, but those circumstances are what builds our character. So the, it's building this godly character in us. You know, when things aren't working out, it's building patience. I mean, th this is what Paul's talking about. So it, so just look at this. Like the desire inside you is not always you. It's just it's what's in you that God is using to build you up. So this life is this field where we're growing. We're growing closer to God. Well, so I wanted to go, go back just a little bit in keeping with this frame of thought, you know, you look back in Genesis, you know, about overcoming sin, you know, sin will always be at crouching at our door. You know, the, the thought is, is that, you know, Jesus came and overcame and did away with this. Uh, and I kind of, I find the, the conflict in, or, you know, the contradiction in the fact that I'm still dealing with sin. We talk about, you know, the, ba the bag of bad things that we are, we're engaging with to overcome, showing our intent, drawing near to God, desiring God through that you know, through those horrible things that we engage with every day, um, you know, it does really give us an opportunity. It gives us a mission and a purpose, first of all. But these things are always going to be with us until the day we die. The sins that we commit now are going to impact the world at a late, you know, at a later date. There is a ripple effect of sin, correct? As, as much as there's a ripple effect of seeking justice, loving mercy, walking humbly, uh, being committed to God, building a legacy of leadership, a godly legacy of leadership, all of a sudden you find yourself on the other side of the coin. There is a ripple effect that happens when you sin in this world. It's just the consequence of sin. Is Abraham tried to get out in front of God and um, produce the seed of, of the promise, right? So not Isaac, but Ishmael. And, and the world is still seeing consequence of that decision, um, from all the turmoil in the Middle East, right? So there's there's consequence to, to our choices and to our sin um, that are that are that are affected in in uh, in the world. How do you think that me going through life and sinning on such a small scale? I see the the magnitude, and so you know me sinning in my own life impact the world at large, or even impact the community at large. What? You know, I've seen the other side of that where people come back to the Lord and the impact on a positive scale. But so I so I sin and so I do things. Nobody's ever going to know about it. How's that going to impact anybody? And is it really that important for me to to really take that into account? So we, we have an impact that we're putting on the world. There is an impact for sin. And, and it really, the very first sin is not accepting God's ways. I mean, he, the, the very base of it, God gave simple instructions to all humanity from the very beginning of Genesis, you know, to basically honor God. Uh, you know, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit sexual, sexual, uh, immorality. I mean, there's basic things that we are held accountable to. And when we break those, we impact those around us. 
And well, I, you know, wanted, and, I, I kind of wanted to give you just a practical story. And, and if I could be transparent here that I have killed before. And what I mean is I've killed with my tongue. And so, you know, going back and looking at it from the perspective that, that we've come to know and love, uh, you know, that and, and talking about how sin impacts. Well, you know, I was an angry person and really that manifested in words and destruction, uh, destructive words that really took a took a toll on my wife, my kids. And, you know, really started uh, the, I want to say the weeds that were growing in their life to, you know, set them on a path and a journey to be rebellious, to be, you know, hating uh, of, of God, because they're seeing this supposed representation of who God is supposed to be in my own life. They're not seeing that. And is this, and you hear about that through different stories. I had a great, you know, counseling session with someone who was, was speaking the same thing. This father did this, which caused me to do this. And now I'm raising my children the same way. So you can see how the progression of sin and not overcoming sin can be very damaging to your descendants and the next generation. And who knows the impact that 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 next person that was engaged by something that you could have cut off today is now, you know, because you talk about Hitler. Well, you go back generations. Well, there was something that started that that kept snowballing and progressing and kept, you know, as they're inter interconnected, intertwined, as we're talking about being connected, uh, that came to that huge, dramatic, horrible uh, conclusion in Hitler's life. Well, it, it all had to start with some kind of mustard seed, some kind of uh, some kind of grain being planted that wasn't dealt with. And when you start to get a lot of people investing in a lot of sin that you're, you know, you're, like you said, your friends, your family, you know, it really does create a product that is not of God and that is very horrible and, and difficult to deal with. But then when you shift course, and I want to tell you the, the positive side of the story is that when I went through the repentance website and uh, started to actively pursue repentance, humbly knowing that I'm, I don't have it all together. I started to go back and make it right with my brother, make it right with my son, make it right with my wife. And I want to tell you, my friends, the ripple effect now has been shifted. The dynamic, the, the, the polarity has been shifted. And now they are seeking God on another level versus being rebellious towards God and saying, I want nothing to do with God. That's the power, first of all, of what we're talking about, of sin. But that power gets trumped by the power of repentance. and now shifting direction, I can see the fruit in my children's life and the fruit in my wife's life, and they want God at a deeper level. So I encourage you, you take those steps, you identify the things in your life, you put the measures in place uh, to not do it again, you determine you don't want to do it again, and then you make it right. And I'll tell you what, what the product, what comes of that is eternal life. And it's so beautiful. So I, I appreciate it. Let me indulge myself for a, a minute because I like to kind of put that into a, you know, my own life. If you, if you're listening now, take a second after this is over and kind of work through that, you know, cause and effect things happen, but we do have the opportunity uh, to shift the story through repentance. Um, and isn't that the point, Dan, it, it's to make the world a better place. It's to bring about the redemption of the world. You know, God doesn't want to destroy the world. He wants us to be co co laborers in redeeming the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is, they, the rabbis say that when we stand in judgment, that we're going to be asked three questions. And one of them is, how did we conduct ourselves just in uh, business? And did we conduct ourselves in an honest manner? 
you know, how we dealt with people. And the other one was, did we set time apart to study uh, the word of God? And the other one was, you know, how did we await the redemption? And, you know, did, were we excited about it? You know, what did we do to help prepare for it? And the, and the thing is to help prepare for it is to repent. Well, it's difficult to repent if you're not studying. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it's so it kind of they build on each other. You've got to walk out this humble life, you know, in an honest manner. You study and you're, you know, you're walking this repentance life and it is preparing for that day when Jesus comes back. Right, right. So, Scott, do you see, you know, in talking with how we're connected, that how in, incredibly powerful and important it is to make sure that you're connecting with the right intent, that you're connecting with a godly intent, that you're walking it out your, yourself. I mean, do you see that even in your own life, you know, how important it is to come with the right frame of mind and the right intent when engaging someone? Sin brings about death. Walking in the ways of God brings life, right? This is the fruit of our decision. You know, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? This goes back to one of the commandments from Deuteronomy 6. You know, whenever you arise, teach these things to your children. When you go about your way, when you go in and out of your house, right, to to um, consume the laws of God, to to teach these to your children, to dwell upon them. That's how we learn. When, when we instruct these things to our child, it brings about life in them. And, and it's going to continue to build them up in life. But when we don't do that, what happens? It brings about death. If we don't train up that child, what if he grows up to be a punk or he grows up to be a, a murderer or a robber, right? The decisions that he makes are affecting. It's the consequence of my sin because I didn't train up my child in the way that he should be brought up. And so my sin caused a consequence that could affect generations through my son. But as a father... How impactful is it to live it out in your own life versus just speaking, you know, these truths and and getting them to basically uh, say, yeah, I'm on board with that, you know, because we know, you know, the, the contrast or the, the the battle between, you know, example, action, speaking louder than words. What does it mean to live that out in your own life? I just want to tie this in here real quick to um, to justice, right? Kind of to kind of circle us back to kind of the whole point of you know hum, humble justice um, to walk humbly, right? It's when I think about justice, I think about everyone deserves to be treated the same way, right? When you when you think about and, and justice is a, is a hot topic in today's in today's um, modern world, but doing justice means not giving an unfair advantage to some people over others. Um, the Bible talks about having fair measures, fair weights, fair balances, um, right? That we are treating everyone with the same dignity, the same respect. That, that comes back to what Dan was just saying in terms of those three questions that we're going to be asked. You know, were we honest with our dealings with one another? That is justice, you know, that we are seeking to do what's right, that we are, you know, it, it's it's one of the staples of God's throne, right? Justice, righteousness, it's 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 his it's aligning with his um his morals. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Dan, if if I were just like a guy sitting thinking through this right now, and I know we have you know a good bit of of men listening, a good bit of women listening, you know, what could I do? Because I love to not just be hearers of the words, but be doers of the word. What what does that mean to be a doer? What is this in this context? How could I live my life? What are some what are some examples? Well, the first thing is like from a, a husband and a wife. You know, if if 
people are married and they have kids, the way the husband treats the wife is probably the key, mm. you know, for they the children. Say that one more time, bud. How the, how the husband treats the wife is going to yes. be the very key piece for those children to see. Wow. Um, you know, just to the example, but in the situation where there's single moms or single dads, um, it's really, I think a lot of it's going to become the anger on how you, you're not angry at everything all the time. So if you got, if you got anger issues, you need to find somebody to talk to, to work through that because it's not good showing that to your children. Because, you know, I grew up in a family where my, uh, you know, there was anger in, in, in my, in my, my father and, you know, and it's, I, he, he was able to work through things. He had such a loving side, but it was the little times. And, you know, and, and I know there's people that have terrible anger issues and it's probably different comparison levels, whatever, but I just know how that impacted me. And it was one thing that I had overcome. And, you know, so, and a lot of times it is generational. And, you know, I remember my, my father passed away and I, I was like, you know, dad, I know maybe you didn't get this all the way. I'm going to get it because I'm going to do it for us because it's our family, you know, and, and this is the way, you know, kind of walking it out humbly, not being mad at my dad because he treated me a certain way. Well, I have no idea how his dad treated him in certain situations. But when I look at that, instead of blaming him for something, I look at it and take a humble approach and say, okay, I'm going to do my part. You know, I had to overcome things in life and I knew my dad dealt with. And and that's how I look at it. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, just at that level, just through, you know, not being angry, you know, just the way that you live out your life and how you're honest towards others. So that that's the biggest thing is showing that. Now, I also have grandkids. I have seven grandkids. And I get to show them in different ways uh, things that, you know, that I'm living out. Like we keep Sabbath on Friday nights. We have a dinner and stuff. And, and my grandkids get to be a part of that. It's just those little, the little things that you're doing through life on how you're seeking God, how you're living out your life. That is, uh, those things are the most impactful things to your family. Yeah, man. I mean, we, we brought up before, I mean, you know, we talk about the anger, you know, it also takes me back to causing one of these little ones to sin, you know, and that really, you know, as I'm going back through it, we talk about, you know, sexual issues, you know, a big, um, a big one right now is pornography amongst, you know, people that are, uh, quote unquote, you know, seeking after God, you know, it's something that they're struggling with. And like you said, something that they're, they're given to overcome. Um, sin is always going to be with us, but also, you know, implementing things, you know, that, that should not be, um, a part of a marriage, uh, really do cause the shame, the anger, the discontent, the unforgiveness in the heart of the spouse. So you really, you know, and then that transfers into the children. And so there really is a, a ripple effect that happens when you sin. And, and we can talk about, anything, you know, your children thinking you're one way, but you're, you know, you're going behind their backs and you're doing something completely different. That is definitely not of God. I just, I, I'm not trying to cast stones here because I've dealt with a lot of the same issues, but on the same token, if we want to see families, well, if we want to see marriages, well, we really have to take that internal look and say, what am I producing and what are they partaking of? Are they partaking of fruit that leads to eternal life? Or are they partaking of fruit that leads to death? Because I am the one that is producing that fruit. And either it's going to be tainted or it's going to be incredible and glorious. And it's going to produce something good. So, Dan, when you talk about, you know, anger and you talk about, you know, not understanding, you know, maybe what your father went through that, you know, that's that's the mercy and the, and the you know, the humility portion of it. 
But at the same time, we have the opportunity and you should have the discernment at this point to say, man, really, I need to go back and analyze how I engage people in my life. You know, we're talking about work as well, you know, engaging subordinates or engaging your bosses. And what what example are you showing? Because I guarantee you the ways that lead to eternal life, you know, it might seem like you are uh, humbling yourself and you seem, you know, maybe you're not standing as the, you know, the tough man or the tough woman in this situation. But really what that's producing in the life of the person that you're engaging is is a change in perspective. And that's how your life can be meaningful. That's how your life can produce good fruit. So, guys, this has been an incredible, incredible topic today. It's given me a lot to think about, uh, you know, in looking inward and uh, making sure that I'm not causing one of these little ones to fall or I'm, you know, I'm living as, you know, a life that I can I can proclaim when I stand before the Lord that I did seek justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly. So closing thoughts, gentlemen, and then we'll wrap it up for today. All right, you know, in Psalms 135, 19, it, it, it brings out a, a point that there's, talks about the Israelites, the house of Aaron, the house of Levi, and, you know, the God fearers, those who fear him. There, there's basically four tracks that we're all on. Uh, we're either God fearers, we're non-Jews, just living life and fearing God and seeking him. Well, we're on a track of, uh, you know, being one of the children of Israel. Uh, some family members are, uh, members of Levite. You know, they, they they know they're Levites or they're, they're a part of that family. And there's some that are part of the family of Aaron, which are the priests. Each one of them have a different track in this life. God requires something different for each of them. But it's, it's kind of like we're all in a ship and, and there's, we're multiple sailors and we all have different jobs to do. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, I think in life is when we're on this track, whatever track we're on, and looking how our soul is impacting those around us on that track or looking how they impact us. It's so important to understand that all of us have a life that we've been living and we have different circumstances. We have different families. We, we have this and we just really need to walk in this attitude that we're here to help each other. And if your life is next to somebody, your soul is put there to help that soul. And I think having that perspective has really, really helped me just in the way that I live my life out. Because if I'm making, and even with my kids and grandkids, my soul has been put here to help the soul next to me. And I'm going to be held accountable for that. Doesn't it provide a mission and a purpose? I mean, it really does give you a purpose now. I mean, you can work for something every day. Yeah. The closing thought I had, guys, and, um, and really, I just want to step back just a little bit, um, and, and this could even be a segue into a future um, future podcast. But you know, there's a, an important Hebrew idiom to realize here. Um, you know, that's going on when you look at Micah six eight that that God requires the justice, the mercy, um, and to walk humbly. And he's you know in the prior verses, starting at about verse five through seven, the Micah is comparing the the sacrificial system to the heart. And, and he's not, he's not saying that one um, has outdid the other. He's simply saying that one is preferred over the other, that um, God requires us to live out our own personal uh, salvation, right? With fear and trembling in order to be, had that right relationship with him before we were ever to make that sacrifice, right? It's not saying sacrifices are bad. He's saying that our heart needs to be in the right place before we make that sacrifice. 
And, and that's really the, 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 the root of what we've been talking about, humble justice and mercy. It's, it's personal integrity, right? It's making sure that I am standing before my God, making the right decision that, I, that I'm choosing not to sin. I'm choosing to hold myself accountable to choose life. Um, it's not legalism. It's just simply living in, in covenant responsibility to my to my Savior. So, guys, what a great, great conversation today. And I like that, uh, you know, we have opinions um, and, you know, we are seeking out truth. But, you know, at the same time, my friends, y- you must go back, as we've said in various podcasts, you must go back and seek that truth out for yourself. You must seek the truth out for yourself. And we're giving some examples, some instances you know, what does God require of us? You know, I understand the thought that, you know, Jesus came and, and basically said it is finished and really doesn't require anything of us, but that could be further from the truth as we've seen in Micah 6, 8 and kind of going back through uh, some portions of scripture. So our challenge to you, my challenge to myself is to really take this and don't just be a hearer, but be a doer, institute justice, mercy, and humility in your life. And as you walk, you're going to see the changes made, the positive changes made that really do lead those who are connected with you and yourself to a closer, more personal relationship with God. I'd want to thank you all today for being with us. Uh, This is not the end, my friends. Join us next week. We are going to jump into another incredible discussion uh, as we seek the King And as we ask the questions and as we knock, the door will be opened. This is the howdoirePent.org podcast.